Well, it's one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready. Now go, cat, go, but don't you step on my blue suede shoes. Hello and welcome into episode two of Generally Speaking, official podcast of the Jackson Generals. No, we didn't decide to shut it down after just one episode. We've got another one, and it is the season preview edition of the official podcast of the Jackson Generals, double-A affiliate of the Arizona Diamondbacks. I am Brandon Liebhaber, and Tyler Springs is sitting right next to me. Tyler, how are you? I'm swell, man. I'm ready to get this season rolling. I know we've got a big game coming up today. Not an official game, but still a big game nonetheless. It doesn't count, but it does matter. Recording this on Tuesday prior to an exhibition against Jackson State Community College just down the road. So it's the Generals versus the Generals. First time for the fans in West Tennessee to see this iteration of the squad. And boy, are we excited. The official roster was announced yesterday at Tyler. First year of this brand new affiliation with the Arizona Diamondbacks. And we are going to see some of the team's top prospects here at the ballpark. I can't wait for it. We're going to see a lot of guys, particularly on the mound who are going to be strong forces for the Jackson or for the Jackson Generals this year and hopefully for Arizona in years to come but I think there's seven of the top 25 prospects as ranked by Baseball America coming to this squad for opening day and of course the Diamondbacks not quite sending their full complement of prospects because one of them was hurt that'll stay in extended tr spring training but nonetheless gonna be a talented squad this year could see some of these guys promoted directly to the majors if they do well enough we'll see as you mentioned Domingo Leba is injured Nick Picoro reported today that he would be out for a couple of months, which is a shame because we figured to see him with Dawell Lugo yeah. in this Jackson infield. But Lugo certainly figures to be a big part of this Jackson offense. Probably on the left side of that infield, just 22 years old, hit over 300 last year between both Visalia and Mobile, and really did get some opportunities this year with the big league club during spring training. Yeah, and Picoro said when we spoke to him, he was pretty darn good. Um, you know, it's, it's a guy who's going to be an everyday player, not necessarily a flashy player, but someone who's going to hold his own if he's in a starting spot in the major leagues in a couple of years from now, hopefully. That's the transition, or at least the, the trajectory for Dawell Lugo, and should be probably the best infielder on this squad, if not the best offensive player, maybe challenged by Victor Reyes. Victor Reyes, another guy who we're certainly looking forward to seeing. I did a bad job of teasing this episode. Nick Picoro, who you probably know a lot better than us, of course, longtime beat writer for azcentral.com and the Arizona Republic down in Phoenix. Our guest today, so we don't want to give away too much of his interview. We had a chance to speak with him earlier, and you'll hear that interview later on in the show. Nick Picoro taking the time to join us before the Diamondbacks play their second game of Super the season nice guy. at the big league level. And uh, he said he'd be willing to come on again, so you just might hear him again here on Generally Speaking. You mentioned Victor Reyes, not a ton of pop, but he did lead the California League with 12 triples last season. You also have some power in this lineup. Kevin Crone, the only guy in the Southern League to hit more home runs than Tyler O'Neill last year. Rudy Flores hit 19 combined homers between High Visalia and Double-A uh, Mobile, of course, the Diamondbacks moving from Mobile to Jackson. And then you look behind the plate as well of a 40-man roster member, Oscar Hernandez, who's played a little bit with the big league club headlines that crop of backstops so we've got some talent on the younger side but one of the themes when i look at this roster tyler an awful lot of experience by my count just three players that have not played at the double a level prior to 2017 yeah and and familiarity as well which is a good thing for this new coaching staff led by manager jr house i believe counting it up 
as I did last night, there's only four guys in the 25-man roster who have not played for either House or one of his two coaches, Jason Camilli, the hitting coach, or Doug Drabeck, the pitching coach, in the last year. So it'll be a very familiar scene on the Jackson Generals dugout. But a lot of these guys, as you mentioned, yeah, we kind of expected them to be higher up or they might be facing greater competition in a different organization. But the Diamondbacks have suppressed their talent a little bit to this level just so that they will develop at a faster rate. And I think it's kind of like having a new principal with Mike Hayes and the new general manager of the Diamondbacks. Sometimes you've got to repeat a class because you might have passed under the old standards, but there's a new sheriff in town. And I think Mike Hazen and even Mike Bell, who's been here before, want to see how these guys do at a level they've probably already played at and really prove that they deserve to be in AAA. Taking a look at the pitching staff, that's where you have some of the top prospects in the organization Three of Arizona's top starting pitcher prospects all figure in to this rotation. Taylor Clark is tabbed as the opening night starter. Brad Keller as well. And Alex Young will be the number five starter in this rotation. All three very young and ranked among the top prospects in Arizona's system by Baseball America. Yeah, and as you mentioned in one of our conversations earlier, a lot of those guys have some really big experience at the amateur level in addition to, to playing some quality pro ball. Jared Miller, who's probably going to be coming out of the bullpen, got some College World Series experience with Vanderbilt. You had two other guys as well in there in terms of guys who have, who have actually pitched at a very, very high level and played at a high level. But I like the experience with this crew, especially Taylor Clark, especially Keller and Alex Young, who pitched for TCU in the College World Series. A lot of these guys have still a ways to go in terms of development. It is a an experienced squad, though not necessarily an old squad. We've got Keller, who's 21 and the youngest in the rotation, but the rest of the guys still in, in a place where they could be in a major league level by their mid to late 20s, which is when a lot of guys reach their prime. And even a guy like Eric Jokish was once a pretty big prospect with the Cubs. Jokish actually got a cup of coffee with the Cubs in 2014. He finds himself in the rotation. So you have some talent there, even on the older side, but those three that we talked about, the younger, more highly touted prospects in the organization. And you talked about Jared Miller, a 6'7 lefty who was just unreal in the Arizona Fall League, really got on a lot of scouts' radars. He won a national championship for Vanderbilt back in 2014, so kind of a local product. And Miller is a guy who's pitched in AAA before. He was in big league camp. And relievers, as we saw last year with Edwin Diaz, they can move very fast. So I wouldn't at all be surprised to see Jared Miller playing in Reno and maybe even Phoenix at some point later this summer. No, that would be very, very cool. You know, having seen the way that Diaz succeeded for the Mariners last year, it's certainly a possibility, especially with the way that left-handed talent is valued at that level. Yeah, I, I want to put a disclaimer in there. I'm not saying Jared Miller is Edwin Diaz, no. who started for the Generals on opening night last year in 2016. But if you're a talented reliever, and I have to think that you know somebody with the tools of Jared Miller, who is listed at 6'7 and throws with his left hand as well, he's going to get a lot of opportunities, and that's why he was in uh, spring training until fairly late in the game. Funny side note, I remember Nick Picoro, who, of course, we interviewed earlier, and you'll hear that later on. He tweeted at one point during spring training, uh, you know, Miller sent to minor league camp, but he didn't specify which Miller, and a lot of Diamondbacks fans thought it was Shelby Miller, not Jared Miller. That would be a much bigger deal. Yeah, it would be a much bigger deal. Though, like I said, I, I think Jared Miller has a, a very good shot at making it to the majors at some point in the near future if he keeps up the trajectory that he's on. So we've talked a little bit about some of the different guys on this team, especially those top prospects. 
But there are guys that, you know, maybe are, are hidden gems, so to speak. And especially with a new regime and a new approach, we might see guys play above the level that they have played as professionals to this point. Is there anyone who might not be listed on those prospect lists, Tyler, that you're really looking for as far as someone who could surprise this season? Well, I'm trying to keep my eye on Grant Sides, who's a new guy to the organization, one of those four guys who are on the team who has not been seen by J.R. House or Doug Drabick last year. He pitched in double A and last year had a tremendous season, was arguably a top five reliever in the Eastern League in terms of strikeout rate per nine, also fewest base runners allowed and opponents batting average. He held them under 200. I believe it was 190 last year for Grant Sides. He's a Southeast native. He comes from North Point, Alabama. He's a alum of Sanford University in Birmingham. So this is a little bit closer to home for him. And I'm imagining that he could reach a really good comfort level here, especially with the way he succeeded last year as a midseason All-Star in the Eastern League. Another one of those guys that wasn't drafted by Arizona. 27 guys on the opening day roster, 25 active, two on the disabled list. But only 10 of those 27 actually drafted or uh, actually drafted by uh, the Diamondbacks. Everyone else either an undrafted free agent or, you know, signed, traded. Uh, and sides, as you mentioned, uh, originally with Cleveland and was picked up in the AAA phase of the Rule 5 draft last year. I'm also looking in the bullpen for my diamond in the rough, so to speak. Gabriel Moya, 22-year-old lefty, really doesn't have much in the way of a scouting report when you look online at Baseball America or Baseball Prospectus, though Baseball America does say his changeup is the best in the system. The numbers last year between Low A King County and High Visalia, and Visalia is in a very hitter-friendly environment, Pretty unreal. 82 strikeouts, only 17 walks, and 63 and two-thirds innings. He held opponents to a 170 batting average and a whip. Walks and hits per innings pitched a .86. And now he gets an opportunity at double-A. He throws from the left side. I'm thinking that his velocity has probably kept him from being a top relief prospect. But you look at the numbers, he's done nothing but succeed in his professional career. And last year especially, with a 1.55 ERA across two different levels, Moy is a guy I'm looking at out of the bullpen who could certainly make some waves. This, as I mentioned, Tyler, I think it'll be a really good ball club. We'd be lying if we said this was the best crop of prospects in the Southern League. Obviously, Mississippi, with that rotation and what the Braves have done in their system, has a ton of prospects. But we talked about the experience level and how many players have been at this level before. This is a team that certainly will not be in over its head. And I think, you know, night in and night out, especially with a competitor like J.R. House at the helm, is going to win a lot of ball games in the Southern League this yeah, year. Yeah, you talk about a guy who's prepared for winning back-to-back -back seasons of 80 or more wins in Visalia, and that's a hard league to win in, as you mentioned, being so hitter-friendly. But J.R. House has found a way to do it. Won a championship in his first year as a manager with Hillsborough back in 2013. And prime for another good run. You know, he's pretty young, 37, but he is a rising star in terms of managerial candidates. Has been rumored to be a candidate for some major league positions in years past, but he's kind of an interesting guy. You guys will get to know him throughout the season as we get to know him as well. Really looking forward to seeing how he works with these guys because clearly these guys are familiar with him. They know what to expect already. House very much a prospect, I think, even though he's not on the active roster. But Mike Bell, the farm director for the Diamondbacks, did tell me that I wasn't wrong in suggesting that J.R. House is one of the bigger prospects on this team. And he's a guy who wants to win games, and that is not a priority for a lot of teams at the minor league level. But J.R. House and the Diamondbacks as an organization have really 
been big on winning games of late. Mobile winning Southern League championships in 2011 and 2012, actually beating the Generals in 2012. So this is a team, like last year, I think, with Seattle, where you didn't necessarily have the star power to start the season, but that won a ton of games. I think we could be seeing something similar this year. And they've got a championship to defend. In indeed, though many of them, uh, in fact, none of them were on that team as it's a brand new crop of players, an interesting position. The Generals with a brand new affiliation yet defending a championship last year, 2016, as a Mariners affiliate. We're looking forward to this year. Thanks so much for tuning in to another edition of Generally Speaking. We'll take a quick break, then continue after this. Our interview with Nick Picoro, beat writer for azcentral.com in the Arizona Republic. He was kind enough to speak with us this morning. Gave us a lot of good insight on how the Diamondbacks are doing things nowadays. We'll talk to him next on Generally Speaking. Welcome back to Generally Speaking. It is the season preview edition. The General is about ready to kick off 2017 against the Birmingham Barons. And we've got Nick Picoro, beat writer for the Arizona Republic. He's been covering the Diamondbacks for some time, and we are happy to have him on. Nick, thanks so much for taking the time. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on uh, to begin with. So when we recorded this uh, on Tuesday, the Diamondbacks were getting ready to play their second game. First game, a lot of fun, obviously, coming back from a couple of late deficits against the Giants and walking off to win their opener and obviously a lot of emotion now opening day there's only so much you can take from that but it does seem like there is a different feel with the team especially with all the changes the organization has made at the top is, is that a correct assessment yeah I mean I think what's interesting is is that the 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 team didn't do a ton in the offseason. They made a few tweaks here and there, and they're they're really kind of rolling with this this group of of players that they have. Um, so I think everyone's kind of curious to see, you know, when when if and when I guess the other shoe is is going to drop. You know, I I think this team feels a little bit of pressure to to win now, um, and I, I think they're you're right though. There is a different sense. I you know everybody's healthier. You know Pollock is healthy. Um, Shelby Miller's throwing the ball a whole lot better, at least in, you know, in terms of the, the way it's coming out of his hand in, in, you know, his spring starts. So I think everyone's optimistic about that. And yeah, I mean, this, this new group certainly, uh, you know, brings a different perspective than the, than the previous one did. So far, what's the biggest difference you've seen from the old regime to the new one? Um, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I guess it's probably just in the way that they talk about decisions that they make that they make, um, kind of the way that they, uh, you know, the, the different information and, um, that I guess just the different information that they throw out as, as reasons for why they made deals. You know, I, I, I remember, uh, when they, uh, when they made a deal in the off season to acquire a, a minor league pitcher for, for, uh, Peter O'Brien, uh, this, this kid named Sam Lewis from the Royals, I, th their front office guys were talking about the, the different, pitch metrics that they were that they had access to um that you know convinced them that that this guy was was good and you know they had some scouts that had seen him as well um but it's just it's just different to to hear them referencing different types of information you know obviously they're they're looking at things from a different perspective in a, in a lot of ways uh including you know the emphasis that they're putting putting on catcher defense um you know the the change that they made from Wellington Castillo 
who's obviously the you know the more offensive minded uh, you know type of catcher to Jeff Mathis and and others uh, where they're kind of willing clearly to sacrifice offense to get these things like you know pitch framing or or you know just kind of catcher leader uh, type of stuff uh, that they're expecting from those guys. Um, it's just a little bit different than what they were talking about with the previous group. We're talking with Nick Picoro, who's the Diamondbacks beat writer for AZ Central Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at Nick Picoro. That's P-I-E-C-O-R-O. And, Nick, you talk about sort of the battery in terms of pitching and catching, both having an impact on the defensive part of the game. I think most people obviously pointed to Taiwan Walker as the key additional piece to that rotation in this offseason. And I think spring training didn't really disappoint, save for one bad outing. Really looked like he could be a quality starter. What's been your sense of how Walker is settling in with the team around him this year yeah um he did have a good spring there there were maybe one or two in there where the command was a little shaky um but you know he's been an impressive guy I don't obviously have a lot of history with him I I've seen him throw from time to time either on television or I I think I've seen him throw in spring trainings in the past um but I've certainly never interacted with him before and, and I was I was impressed and I have been impressed so far with with just kind of the way that he talks about you know his craft um he seems to have a really good sense of what he needs to do to get better um you know he he can really isolate different things in his in his delivery and his mechanics that he's working on that he thinks he needs to get better that he thinks he needs to stay on top of uh, he, you know, he talks about the importance of his slider. Uh, it's it's just it doesn't sound like you're talking to a guy that hasn't really established himself yet. Um, it just sounds like a guy who really knows how to pitch and really knows what he needs to do to to take that next step. Walker, of course, a former general, a standout on that 2012 squad, and now with the Diamondbacks, uh, which of course now the Generals are affiliated with. Nick Picoro taking the time to join us today. Um, talking about the Diamondbacks as a whole. And of course, you know, we're in the minors. The system, if you look at most of the rankings, I think probably is not highly uh, thought of, at least in the industry at this moment, not a ton of of top level uh, prospects right now for the Diamondbacks. Nick, what is the sense that you get from this front office and how they're going to operate with their minor league system obviously they're in a position now at the big league level where i think they want to give it a shot with some of these core players they're probably not at least yet in a rebuilding mode so how does the front office go about building up what is kind of a depleted farm system yeah you're right it's they're kind of in a a bit of a a weird in-between spot right now where they're not going to be trading away veterans yet uh to to augment that farm system but you know, they do pick, uh, I think they pick seventh in the draft this year. Um, you know, they're, they're talking about, uh, redoing, um, their, their facility down in the Dominican, um, probably actually building a new one or refurbishing a a different one, um, that, that is currently, uh, available. Um, and you know, they're talking about putting, you know, eight to $10 million into that down there. Um, so, I mean, they, they're, uh, they're definitely willing to devote some resources recognize the need to uh you know to to build up that system um but you know i don't think that you know the heavy lifting is really going to start um until they you know kind of decide that this group um you know it's time to break up this group i should say um you know whether that day comes or not i'm not sure um or even when um but uh you know if they do decide to to you know make deals like that you you gotta you gotta imagine that they're gonna 
be in a position where they're not going to have to have that total teardown necessarily where you're, you're down and finishing, you know, in the race for one, one, like, you know, two, three years in a row, like Houston. Um, I think that if you were to, you know, start thinking about trading Pollock or, uh, Corbin or Shelby Miller or Goldschmidt, you're going to end up getting some really good players back in return. We're talking with Nick Picoro, the AZ Central beat writer for the Diamondbacks. And I'm curious, Nick, about a little bit of that foundation, that core that is there right now in place for the Diamondbacks, not only at the major league level, but some of the guys that you've seen in major league camp who are playing on lower levels. Two of them will be coming to Jackson most prominently, I think, this season. Jared Miller probably working out of the bullpen to start off with, and then Dawel Lugo playing third base for the Generals. Just in terms of those two guys, did you th- see some things that impressed you in Major League Spring Training with those two? Uh, yeah, for sure. And and in fact, I, I saw things from both those guys in the fall league that that were impressive. Miller, I guess specifically, had such an incredible fall. Didn't give up a run. Uh, kind of struck out everyone. Um, he's he's an interesting guy. Uh, he's he's big and physical and and you know a, aggressive. Um, throws pretty hard. Has a really nasty slider. Um, you know, you can see why he'd be an uncomfortable at bat for guys. And Lugo, Lugo's just a nice player, I think. I mean, not, I don't know that he's going to be a star, um, but he kind of seems fairly well-rounded. I mean, he's he's a, a former shortstop over there at third base, and, and it shows in some ways. I, I think he's a pretty athletic guy over there. Um, and then offensively, he kind of looks like, he kind of looks like a, like a, you know, kind of an uh, average to slightly above average across the board type of of stat line guy you know what i mean like i wouldn't be surprised if he were to hit 280 with 15 homers and drive in some runs and maybe even steal a bag or, or two um i can i can see him uh kind of contributing in a lot of different ways we're excited to have both those guys in jackson this year rosters announced across the whole system for the Diamondbacks over the past couple of days and the minor league season opening up later this week after the big league team got underway on Sunday. Nick, you wrote a piece on Jazz Chisholm, uh, one of the younger prospects in the system, somebody that we're probably not going to see in Jackson this year, barring a, a really remarkable season. But he's a guy that, as you wrote, I think scouts are coming to the consensus that he might just be the best prospect in the system a smaller guy who plays shortstop and yet he has a lot of pop. What did you get from talking to him? Yeah, you, you mentioned it. I mean, the the fact is that you know you kind of you look at him at first and he doesn't look like that you know big physical specimen by any means, and you kind of wonder you know what his game is going to be like. But then you watch him swing and he takes these big aggressive hacks. Um, he doesn't get cheated up there. Um, you know, there was some swing and miss to his game last year in Missoula. Um, but he also hit nine home runs, I think, maybe eight. I'm, I'm forgetting exactly, but he showed some pop, and he, you know, he continued to to swing the bat with with some with some thump here in spring training. I, I heard some guys saying he might have been the the league leader in uh, home runs back in the minor league games uh, this spring. Um, yeah, and and you know, talking to him, he's a lot of fun to talk to. You, you, you guys, I don't know if you've had a chance to to cross paths with him at any point, um, but but he's an interesting guy. He's got a lot of character. He's got a lot of confidence. He he plays the game uh, just with a certain like carefree uh, attitude. He just has fun out there. You know what I mean? He's one of those guys your eyes kind of gravitate toward. Um, he just seems to be in the middle of everything. Um, I'm I, I I've only seen him play a couple of times. Um, 
but he's he's a really interesting player and I'm uh, I'm I'm really interested to see how his season goes. Certainly look, you know, I mean he's a long way away, right? I mean you, you can put up good numbers for, you know, 200 at bats in short season. It's a whole lot different than doing it for 5 months in the minors, which is a whole lot different than doing it for 6 months in the big leagues. So We'll see. He has a long way to go, but uh, you know, just from from my brief glimpses of him or at him, and um, hearing what scouts say, it's a it's an interesting player. Yeah, we'll be interested to see how quickly he moves up the chain. I wanted to ask you one more question about a guy on the forty man that they held back in camp. I think for quite a while before letting him know that he was going to be sent to Double A, and that's the catcher Oscar Hernandez. Just in terms of the emphasis that's being put now by that organization on the defensive aspects of playing the catcher position, how does Hernandez fit that mold? Yeah, I, I, I think he has a chance to, uh, to fit it perfectly. Um, these guys, you know, really speak highly of, uh, of everything that he brings to the table defensively. It seems like the pitchers like throwing to him, um, as well. Uh, but you know, guys in the organization think that, you know, there's a chance that he could be an elite type defender, uh, and that's including the pitch framing. Um, if they had a little bit larger of a sample size for all of that stuff, they, they think there's a chance that, that, uh, that he's going to really excel. Um, you know, offensively, I think he still has a ways to go. Um, it, it does seem like there's, there's, uh, there's some power in there. I think that if, uh, you know, if you make a mistake, he's got a chance to make you pay for it. Um, but I think there's some, some holes in the swing and I think the swing's a little long. Um, but you know, this is a guy that that lost an entire year of development a couple of years ago, basically uh, when he was a Rule Five pick and and kind of kept on this roster for a while, didn't play much, had to deal with an injury at that same year. Um, and I think he did show some things last year. Uh, you know, showed that he's moving in the right direction offensively. Thanks so much to Nick Picoro for joining us. A lot of good stuff on the Diamondbacks and the organization as a whole. We're getting excited to start the season in Jackson. And of course, we'll be keeping tabs on the Diamondbacks all season long. A great way to do that is by following Nick on Twitter at Nick Picoro, N-I-C-K-P-I-E-C-O-R-O, as the Diamondbacks continue their season. Nick, really appreciate you taking the time to join us. Hopefully we can do it again as the season goes on. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We will continue on Generally Speaking after this. Thanks to Nick again for joining us. Back on Generally Speaking, gorgeous day at the ballpark. We're recording this on Tuesday, as the Generals get ready to take on the Generals, Jackson State Community College in an exhibition. Opening day is Thursday, April 6th, against the Birmingham Barons. Once again, big thank you to Nick Picoro for joining us on this edition of Generally Speaking. Now we move on to the fun part of the podcast. Brandon Liebhaber and Tyler Springs with you. And Tyler, opening day was Sunday for the major league teams, or at least for some of them, it was Monday for others. Our opening day, of course, Thursday against Birmingham, an opening day, very special time for baseball fans and people in the game. There's something that is oh so magical about opening day. The Diamondbacks had a pretty fun win on their opening day Sunday, coming back from three different deficits to beat the San Francisco Giants. Madison Bumgarner, off. too. Yeah, Madison Bumgarner hit two home runs against the Diamondbacks, and yet they were able to win it and walk off in the ninth inning. So I asked to you, Tyler, 
What is your favorite memory from opening day? This is a, a pretty broad question. I think the one that stands out for me the most is just seeing things that are very unusual. You know, a lot of times fans will get a lot of information about the team ahead of time, like who's on the roster, how it's expected to do. What you don't expect is to get snow on opening day. <laughs> and that's what happened to the Baltimore Orioles in 2003. They took on the Cleveland Indians at Oriole Park in Camden Yards. And on that March 31st Monday, the Orioles won a 6-5 game in 13 innings despite being delayed because of snow. There was literally a point in the game where someone hit a fly ball in the outfield and no one picked it up. And the umpires had to stop the game because you literally could not see the ball against the sky at all. But the Orioles did win that game. It was a ton of fun to watch on television. <laughs> I can't speak to who was there in the game. But that was not a very memorable team, just a memorable game. You're from Baltimore. I'm from Los Angeles, uh, a place that hasn't had a rain out in years, so snow is completely off the table as far as not yeah, only opening day, but lucky really all, 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 year, all year round. Um, but I'm going to take you back to my hometown as far as opening day memories go. I remember back in 2013, the Dodgers hosting the Giants, big rivalry on opening day, Clayton Kershaw on the mound. Offense could not get anything going for Kershaw. It was a 0-0 ball game heading into the bottom of the eighth. Kershaw had thrown eight scoreless innings, and he did uh, a Madison Bumgarner before it was a Madison Bumgarner. He homered to break up the scoreless deadlock. The Dodgers would add three more, and Kershaw would finish that game with just four hits allowed, no runs, seven strikeouts, no walks, and the go-ahead home run. Uh, pretty awesome for the best pitcher in baseball to do it on both sides. He uh, did not need that the other day as the Dodgers beat the Padres 14-3 to on Monday. They actually got him a little bit of run support on opening day for a change. But that was my memory, and it was very bright and sunny. There was no snow at Dodger Stadium. Though I was watching it in Chicago. I was at school at Northwestern, and it was a little chilly there. Always when you're watching good weather baseball and you're in bad weather, <laughs> it makes you feel a little bit better about your day. But you'd also like to be there instead of where you are. Exactly. And that's uh, one of the perks of our job, being at the ballpark. And right now it is bright and sunny. It is perfect for a game. And the Generals will be playing an exhibition contest against Jackson State coming up a little bit later. For those of you listening, that game is probably already over. Opening day is on Thursday. And the next time we come to you with another episode of Generally Speaking, the Generals, the Jackson Generals, that is, will have played some Southern League games. We can't wait to get you some news from the generals and probably some player interviews as well it'll be a lot of fun can't wait to get this thing started tyler really looking forward to it i cannot wait to get to know a lot of these guys it'll be a long season obviously we'll need to use a little bit of spanish as well <laughs> but uh we're looking forward to it we are yeah mi, mi espanol es muy mala uh, hablo un poquito. <laughs> stop stop I will, I will work i will uh estudiar very hard see si. um We'll see. We do have some more Spanish speakers on the team this year, but uh, we have a great crew of guys, at least, that we've met so far. We're looking forward to having some of them on this very podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in to Episode 2 of Generally Speaking in 2017. The Generals getting ready to open things up. A new affiliation, 20 years of professional baseball in Jackson, and, of course, the team looking to defend a 2016 Southern League Championship. Thanks so much for joining us. We will see you next time on Generally Speaking. For Tyler Springs, I am Brandon Liebhaber saying so long and happy baseball, everyone. We got married in a fever, hotter than a pepper sprout. We've been talking about Jackson. Ever since the fire went out, I'm going to Jackson. I'm gonna mess around. Yeah, I'm going to Jackson. 
Look out, Jackson Town. 